You are tuned in to the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl Watchlist Show with your hosts Rick Staratella and Joe Everett, featuring NFLPA Bowl Executive Director Dane Vandernat. I'm going back to Cali, 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 styling, profiling. I don't think so. Hey, we're back at it again, the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl Big Board Show. We're out on the West Coast. R.I.C. in a place to be Rick Saratella, telling like it is when it comes to the NFL draft since 2002. It's what we do. And, uh, yeah, we're out here broadcasting from Eugene, Oregon, for the Oregon game versus Colorado. We'll be out at Utah and Oregon State. Then I'm going to work my way down the West Coast out to Cali, where we will have three consecutive games next weekend. We will have, uh, we'll be at Fresno State. We'll be at um, USC in Arizona, and uh, there's a third game, Stanford-UCLA. So we're covering all bases here for the ninth annual NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, January 18th, 2020. Of course, out in California, Pasadena, the historic Rose Bowl, and we are uh, styling and profiling each and every week here on the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl Big Board Show, our 10th episode of the season already. So if you want to go back and check out the archives, uh, make sure you subscribe and tune in for the latest episodes. And we're on location across the nation. This is going to be the most diverse all-star game roster ever assembled. If you are talented, we will find you. And all you have to do is follow us at NFLPA Bowl over on Twitter. You'll see all the different schools, whether it's Ivy League, D3, CAA, FCS, FBS, mid-major, we leave no stone unturned. And to break it all down with me oh, for the next hour or so, uh, Von Hutchins, one of the scouts here for the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, of course, uh, seven years with the Raiders, another uh, six years playing in the NFL. He's seen it from every angle, from a player side, a personnel side, of course, doing a great job for us scouting that southeast region and keeping his finger on the pulse there so we're going to talk about uh, some players who impressed this past week whose stock is up we're going to take a look ahead at this weekend some key matchups to keep an eye on we'll also discuss some of the nflpa alumni and what they've done the first month of the nfl season the season is just zooming by and of course uh you heard about some of my travels coming up well where is bond going to be where's our Director of College Recruiting, Dane Vandernat, going to be. We'll have him on the hotline as well. But let's welcome in Vaughn Hutchins. It's another show, our second week here together, Vaughn, and uh, my favorite time of the week. Rick, what's going on, man? I'm just happy to be here, man. It's a great Friday out here in Atlanta. Uh, the weather's getting cool. It's October. Football's in the air, man. You know, I got off the plane here in, in Eugene. I, I didn't realize I was it gets down to 30 degrees over here. I'm used to the Jersey Shore life, and I'm over here walking off the plane and, uh, you know, forgot my layers, but it's all good. Um, let's take a look back at the past week, some of the players that stood out to you. And, of course, we're always keeping tabs here on the NFLPA Bowl Big Board Show. Uh, who are some of the players that caught your attention this past week? Uh, Rick, I got two or three guys, man, uh, from this past week that really kind of stood out. And and really, I can just go back to this past Thursday with a, a great matchup with App State uh, versus Louisiana Lafayette on ESPN in prime time. 
uh, App State coming to the game with a 10-game win streak uh, spanning the past two seasons uh, against some Louisiana Lafayette team that a lot of fans in college football really don't know, but that offensive line is very good. They got two top prospects on that right side of the line. Uh, but App State comes down uh, and shuts down a high-powered uh, Louisiana team that had been averaging 314 yards rushing, 44 points a game, man, and they limited them. Uh, they held them to a touchdown. Uh, one of their stars, Akeem Davis, Akeem Davis Gaither, uh, number 24, he plays outside backer for uh, App, but he probably projects as a strong safety. I'm going to be in town this next week to see the actual body type. I like the player. He plays fast. He plays physical. Uh, he comes downhill. Uh, he's willing to hit. He can blitz. He can drop in coverage. He has uh, that skill set that seems like a make-it skill set, no, no matter if it's defensively or on special teams. This guy just seems like he's a make-it type of guy when you're watching the tape. Uh, one issue is he's undersized. He's about six foot, maybe six one, two 210 pounds. He's listed. He looks like he's a little bigger than that when you look at it on tape. But uh, I just want to see what his size is. Is he a wheelbacker? Is he a strong safety? I got to see that in person. Uh, yeah, and- mixed opinions. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say mixed opinions on Akeem Davis Gaither because he received very high grades from the NFL during the spring. Some people view him as a safety. Other view him as a, a linebacker, uh, you know, kind of that joker role. But uh, Appalachian State, don't sleep on this guy because they got another safety by the name of uh, Desmond Franklin. They have an offensive tackle uh, that's on the radar, Victor Johnson. So, you know, Carolina, we've always discussed, is a hotbed, and there's a handful, a handful of talented players on that App State team. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm a fan of uh, Desmond Franklin also. Uh, so I can't wait to just show up. I'll, I'll be there this, uh, this coming up week, uh, I think on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, so I'll get a chance to view practice, talk to the coaching staff, uh, see what the feel around the building is. I know they're going to be on cloud nine. Uh, just what the what they're saying about their guys, you know. So I can't wait for that. Uh, another guy that stood out for me, Michael P. Ryan, running back from Florida. Uh, this past week versus a talented Auburn team. I know I came on and talked about the things that Derrick Brown could do uh, defensively, and he showed us. He showed us. I mean, I could easily talk about him the fumble recovery, the scoop, he's getting ready to score. Obviously, the toughest monster kind of got him, but a man with that type of agility at that side is rare. But LaMichael Piron, uh, undersized back with some thickness. Uh, you see that he's able to break tackles. He has some lateral agility. Uh, how fast is he? Well, he, he showed that he could, he could run. Uh, he broke a long run out to bust the game open. Uh, not to bust the game open, but to bust a long run. Uh, but 130 yards versus a talented, talented Auburn team. Uh, so he's a guy that stood out for me right now. And he's adding 18 receptions, a lot of catches from a back, uh, especially in the SEC, the way that they throw the ball around and, and run the football. So I'm excited for what he's shown over the last couple of weeks also. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Michael Pirine busting out in a big way. Uh, last week, a big-time performance. Of course, somebody that we're going to be keeping tabs on here at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. 14 carries, 130 yards. All he did was average 
9.3 yards a clip against that Auburn defense. Uh, you know, I was out at the um, Purdue-Penn State game. Purdue all banged up. I'm going to talk about some of the players that caught my eye there. But before we do, we have our director of college recruiting for the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. Of course, always on the road and always kind enough to take some time and hop on the phone no matter what the circumstances. He is Dane Vandernat. You can follow him on Twitter at DVandernat, and we welcome him into the show. Dane, how's it going, my man? Rick and Vaughn, how are you guys doing? I'm great. How about yourself? Uh, we're doing good, well. Man, I know you're uh, you're hitting the road there, and, you know, we were just talking about some players uh, that stood out this past week, but uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the players that may have stood out to you, Dane, and, and where you're heading. Yeah, well, you know, and I'll tell you what, for uh, for Michael P. Ryan, that 88-yard touchdown run sure helped that average you were talking about there, Rick. I agree with you guys. I thought he had a heck of a game there and, you know, showed ability to be a closing back for the Florida Gators a little bit there in that fourth quarter to really kind of wear down Auburn's defense and, and uh, secure that victory. Uh, this last weekend, I got the opportunity to get on out and do some Ohio scouting. Started in Cincinnati on Friday night. Got to go see the Bearcats upset the night to UCF. And then uh, the following day, actually made it out to Little Dayton to go see the Flyers take on Jacksonville University. And Dayton has a tight end prospect, Adam Trotman, who's a uh, highly touted uh, prospect this year, originally from the Houston area, and parents relocated up to the upper Midwest. I'll tell you guys, he had a heck of a game. First half, he had six receptions. Four of them went for touchdowns. The dude's athletic. The dude knows how to play big boy football, and that boy's in the air. He was a lot of fun to see. And then uh, last Saturday, caught the Ohio State-Michigan State game. And, you know, we'd have to have a, a nine-hour radio show to talk about all the players uh, that Ohio State and, and even Michigan State are putting out this year. They got quite the, uh, quite the rosters over there. But um, I really wanted to see Brian Lewerke, the quarterback. I wanted to see him go into Ohio State, into a hostile environment, and take on the Buckeyes and, and just see how he responded to everything, how comfortable he looked. And to be honest with you, I came away impressed. I know that – you know, his numbers haven't been great. You know, they're nowhere near the Jalen Hurts or Tua's numbers or anything like that. But, you know, you do see an athletic quarterback that has enough arm to be able to make some NFL throws. And I thought that despite the fact Ohio State obviously has premier pass rushers and a front that's going to make just about any quarterback uncomfortable, I thought that Brian Lewerke really handled it well and, you know, kind of came away from there. I did feeling pretty good about his prospects to develop as a backup in the National Football League. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Daryl Stewart, who's kind of a big slot for Michigan State. Not really a flashy guy or putting up a lot of big numbers, but uh, very passionate, makes contested catches. Not a burner, Vaughn, and some of those DBs are not going to have to worry about them, truly threatening them vertically, but a guy that, you know what, in close quarters, he knows how to position his body and really get himself in position to be able to make those 50-50 balls. Man, no doubt, Dane, no doubt, man. And we, we appreciate uh, the insight about all these players. Big slots like that uh, just brings me back to, like, uh, Colston from New Orleans. Uh, guys that, 
you know, may not may not be as productive on the outside when you're talking about top flight corners like a Stephon Gilmore he put on the show last night. But guys that when you're matched up versus uh, smaller nickel slot guys, uh, strong free safeties, real linebackers, uh, guys that can be productive, guys that can get in and out of breaks. But the biggest point that you made was contested catches. Everything in the league is about contested catches. Uh, DBs being able to uh, challenge throws, uh, linebackers being in passing windows, safeties coming down and laying hits on on uh, pass catchers right when they catch the ball. Being able to make contested catches is a huge component of being productive and being successful as a receiver, as a pass catcher in the NFL. And when you have that trait, man, you got a trait that a lot of coaches and a lot of scouts will like. No doubt, no doubt. And I was just over at Baylor the last couple of days. Number one, fantastic visit. You ever get an opportunity to swing through Baylor, uh, first class all the way around. But they've got the receiver prospect, Denzel Mims, who I'll tell you, Vaughn, he's an interesting cat because, you know, he's a big six foot two, two 220, you know, pound guy, nice frame to him. You know, probably not an elite burner. Uh, I'm estimating him about four, five, five type speed. But and, and a little upright, and I wouldn't say he's a great vendor. You know, he's one of those guys, top of the routes, like doesn't always sell it the best. But I'll tell you what, you put that ball in the air, and this guy reminds you of Michael Crabtree and just his ability to be able to beat one-on-one coverage, contort his body, spin around for a back shoulder. I mean, just the body control and adjustability is off the charts for Denzel Mims. He was really impressive to see this week, kind of to your point about just being able to make those contested catches and the value that really has in the NFL because, like you said, you know, everything's going to be contested. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you speak about guys like like Crabtree. I always talk about Reggie Wayne, uh, James Jones when we had him at out in Oakland. These Oakland. guys are guys that aren't blazers, man. These aren't good. these aren't guys that are going to run away from you on a consistent basis, but these are guys that can play basketball on turf. These are guys that in short areas, they can create just enough separation to use those strong mitts that they have to extend, pluck the football and keep it away from defensive backs and linebackers, man. And that's, again, that's a quality that all coaches and all scouts want to have. Definitely. No doubt. Uh, Dane, quick question, man. Uh, throughout the first month of the season, man, I know there's been a lot of PA, uh, former NFL PA alumni that have been productive uh, in the league. You got anybody that stands out for you uh, over this past month? Well, I mean, shoot, I think that, you know, when we talk about some of those defensive players, I know that we all have our favorites. And, you know, Shaquille Griffin is always the guy that comes to mind just for his ability up there in Seattle, play that scheme that they do and, and just the type of uh, physicality and, and length that he has. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, Jannard Avery Vaughn is the guy that's always been a favorite of ours. I know that <clears throat> his role a little bit is diminished this year in Cleveland as they've kind of switched up schemes and, you know, they're trying to get a feel for their personnel now with uh, Coach Wilkes kind of taking over that defense, um, you know. But I, I, a guy got drafted last year by the Minnesota Vikings in B.C. Johnson. And I had a chance to go see B.C. Uh, at Colorado State last year. He is an impressive, impressive wide receiver. And I know that, obviously, no one's talking about the Minnesota passing game, you know, these days. But, you know, for, for him, I think he's really going to have 
a great opportunity in the National Football League to really make him uh, a nice career as that kind of third, fourth wide receiver, guy who's really going to get after it in the blocking game, is going to be able to make some of those contested catches and is going to also contribute on special teams. I really like B.C. Johnson's kind of intangibles and makeup as a player, and he's a guy that I really am going to continue to, to, to follow as he continues on through the NFL. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, man, there's been a lot of productive guys. I mean, you talk about guys like Jamal Agnew up in Detroit as a returner, as a guy that's a, a, a slot, as a guy that's fast. You know, we talk all the time about traits. As, as a scout, you know, what type of explosiveness does he have? Is he a leader? Uh, but having elite speed is a huge trait to have in this league. And Agnew is one of those guys that have, so, sh- you know, shouts out to him. But I just want to point out a guy in Will Disley, a guy that uh, – a former defensive lineman, tough as nails. Uh, he's a guy that was converted over to tight end going into his senior year at, uh, at UW. And – I mean, we had him projected as a fourth, fifth-round pick, a guy that, I mean, he was the best blocking, consensus the best blocking tight end to come out in that draft. But the things that he's been able to do as a pass catcher, his development after being hurt uh, the vast majority of last year to come back and work on his skills uh, with his hands, being able to, to get in and out of breaks, being able to create separation. And when you get to the red zone, being able to score touchdowns, that's huge. He has four touchdowns uh, on the season amongst league leaders, uh, not only just as, at the tight end position, but uh, all receiving positions. But his catch rate percentage, he has 22 targets from Russell Wilson with 23 receptions. That's reliability. That's third down conversions. That's moving the chain. He's a guy, he's a guy that uh, has continued to develop. And that's the thing about the league. We talked about last week about longevity and respect. You know, he comes in, and as a blocker, he's already earned these defensive guys' respect. You know, guys on the D-line, outside backers looking at him like, I got to face Will Will Disley today. You know, it's going to be a tough day in practice for me. But for him (laughs) to continue to develop and work through, uh, I'm not just going to be labeled as a former defensive lineman who they threw at tight end because I can block. No, I can be a productive pass catcher and develop in that capacity, and my hat's off to him. So I just want to highlight him and his effort. Hey, Rick, what, what guy, uh, you got anybody for us that, that stood out? Yeah, you know, and and just to follow up, you know, I, I like Disley. I remember being at the NFLPA last year and, and watching uh, B.C. Johnson and, and just what a fluid, in the rain I might add, just a fluid route runner, nice hips, and just, you know, killing corners all week long. And I said, hey, this is one of the better-looking prospects uh, at the event a year ago. Uh, For me, you know, I'm going to uh, the highest player drafted from the NFL PA Bowl last year, Quincy Williams, third-round pick out of Murray State. I think this is what's the great aspect of the NFL PA Bowl is you can get a guy like Murray State bring him in for a week against all the power five schools, watch him excel. And, you know, all, all he's done is, you know, have 31 tackles here through the first month of the season. Uh, he had three consecutive games where he recorded eight tackles. So uh, Quincy Williams really establishing himself on that Jacksonville Jaguars defense. And then, you know, Deontay Harris, um, you know, this is a kid out of assumption, 
where, you know, you didn't really know what you were getting. He was undersized. He was a small school player, but, boy, he was lightning quick. And we've seen what he's done, uh, you know, as a return man this season, uh, averaging 25 yards per kick return, uh, over 10 yards per punt return, of course, a punt return touchdown on national TV. So uh, Deontay Harris is a guy that really has stood out to me from the NFL PA Bowl alumni. And there's some other guys we'll try and get to. I know Dane is on the road, and uh, and we're going to let him boogie on off, and, and we'll pick up our conversation, Vaughn. But before we let Dane wrap up, you know, he mentioned he's going over to Sam Houston State. Uh, we mentioned Deontay Harris, a small school-wide receiver. And, you know, I take a look at uh, Nathan Stort out of Sam Houston State. And, of course, shout-out to Devlin Hodges, who's getting the start here for the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers and out of Sam Houston. Now, this Nathan Stort, all he's done is have, you know, 4,300 yards receiving, 20 yards a catch, 36 touchdowns, obviously a, a highly productive wideout. He's on – pace for his fourth consecutive uh, thousand yard season last one for you Dane before we let you go for those out there listening you know when you're evaluating wide receivers but more specifically a small school wide out what are some of the traits characteristics things that they need to do not only to earn an invite to the NFL PA Bowl but to exceed at the next level yeah I apologize it's a little bit windy here we're getting a storm uh out here in uh, East Texas, but, um, you know, I think that, and, and Vaughn can chime in as well, uh, but I think for be a small school wide receiver, one, we need to see you dominate your competition. Two, we need to see your ability to really have at least one superior redeeming quality. And what I mean by that is either you need to have that explosive electric speed, a la Tyreek Hill from West Alabama, or you need to be able to really make some excellent contested catches, you know, for instance, in Oakland, we were able to sign Seth Roberts after the draft from uh, West Alabama as well. And uh, the one thing that Seth did, I always felt like we were watching a highlight tape anytime it was, um, you know, he a, a target for him because he was able to break tackles and separate himself from defensive backs and go score a touchdown. Now, unfortunately, you know, that same production isn't going to happen when these guys translate to the NFL. Cause like we were talking about a minute ago, everything's going to be contested. But you need to be able to dominate on your own level and really show that you have that explosive speed, that ability to separate, that ability to take the ball the distance when given an opportunity. But appreciate you, fellas, as always. Vaughn, chime in on that. I'm going to listen to you guys off the air as I go walk over here practice at Sam Houston. And uh, always good chopping it up with you guys and looking forward to talking here again soon. Appreciate it, Dane. No doubt, no doubt. Thank you, man. And and to, to echo is. some of the stuff that Dane was saying, uh, uh, I mean, absolutely, just some type of uh, excellent, redeemable trait that sets you apart. Because uh, obviously coming from a smaller school, you know, we're going to look at it as, as uh, a lower level of competition. Uh, dominating the competition is one aspect of it, but are you a six-five guy that plays big? If you if you can't run as well, if you're going to time four-five-five or better, do you play big? Are you strong after the catch? Do you consistently make those contested catches? Uh, you know, a lot of times, obviously, at these smaller programs, 
uh, as opposed to the Power Five conferences, the training table is not the same. Uh, you know, the amount of attention that that guys get at their position, uh, whether it be uh, defensive back, D tackle, whatever position, uh, may not be at the same type of uh, attention and quality that you get at some of the Power Five conferences. Not saying anything bad about the coaching staff, but just the amount of money that they're able to put in uh, into that staff or into the football team as a whole. But these guys just having some form of trait, uh, the quickness in and out of breaks, the elusiveness after the catch, the strength element, uh, explosive speed is always a plus. Uh, and didn't t- chime in on some of the stuff that Dane was saying, man. Seth had incredible uh, catches and big moments. That was his thing early in his career in Oakland. We he, we had him on the P squad. He consistently produced in practice, uh, in contested environments. He was available on a routine basis. Uh, and then when he got into games and big moments in the fourth quarter, he was able to finish these runs. He was able to consistently uh, – make guys miss and take it to the house to close out games. I mean, it was a time there over a two-year stretch where Seth legitimately closed out three or four ball games for us in the fourth quarter. So these small school receivers, just the continued development of those traits that we're able to see once you put on the tape, no matter if they're playing as Power Five conferences or uh, Sam Houston State, we want to be able to consistently and routinely see this stuff flash and pop on tape. Great points here. You know, Dane Vandernat, who you just heard, our uh, director of college recruiting, of course, along with Von Hutchins here, both of whom longtime scouts with the Raiders, now on the NFLPA scouting staff, along with myself, Rick Saratella. We're breaking it down. And Von, just to, you know, uh, stay on the uh, NFLPA ball alumni uh, conversation because we've got players littered uh, all over the league. Sticking to that wide receiver position, you guys make a great point. If you have that one dominating characteristic that, you know, hey, maybe you don't have the size, but you got, you know, jet fuel rockets on your ankles. Well, hey, it, it, if you're blazing fast, as you know, we can't teach speed. So, hey, maybe we'll overlook the fact that you don't have the height. And, you know, while he's not a small school guy, uh, one guy that was just, you know, blazing at the event last year, constantly getting behind the secondary was Steve Sims out of Kansas. And, you know, he had an up and down week, you know, wasn't wasn't really dominating, but you, he flashed that speed. And, uh, you know, the, the corners just couldn't keep up with him on numerous occasions. Uh, and, and I remember noting that, you know, watching Sims last year compete throughout the week of practice, and then we saw him this past week against the Patriots. He takes a 65-yard end around to the house, puts up the Redskins 7 nothing. Uh, maybe the lone lead that the, the Washington has had all year long, but uh, Sims is carving out a little bit of a role for himself there for the Redskins. Uh, for, you know, he actually has four rushes for 81 yards, uh, five catches for 28 yards. So he's another guy from last year's NFL PA ball that, along with B.C. Johnson, I think all the B.C. Johnson at Minnesota is really going to emerge there as the number three guy behind Diggs and Thielen. And then, you know, uh, on the defensive side, uh, Shaheen Tuttle out of Tennessee, he's worked his way into the defensive line rotation there for the Saints. 
Um, and then, you know, uh, Dion Calhoun from the Dolphins out of Mississippi State was a guy who was impressive during practice last year. And then one last guy I'll touch base on, Avon, is uh, Austin Cutting, the long snapper out of Navy, another guy, you know, the Vikings, they were all over uh, the NFL PA Bowl last year. They've got a handful of guys from from our event. And Cutting, of course, the uh, military alum, doing a great job there long snapping. And that's one of the things I'm excited about for the 2020 NFL PA Bowl is that we'll have a representative from each of the military academies. That's Army, Navy, and Air Force. Uh, so some more of that ahead at the NFL PA uh, Bowl for 2020. Any guys that you want to touch base on there, Vaughn, that I mentioned, or anywhere else you want to go with the NFL PA Bowl alumni? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just glad you pointed out Austin Cutting because people don't necessarily put much stock, or the average fan doesn't put much stock, stock into long snappers. But Austin Cutting was the only long snapper drafted in the NFL last year, which says uh, that a league thought enough about him to invest a draft pick into a guy that all he does is snap the football. These guys stay around forever. Good long snappers are hard. Good athletic long snappers are hard to find. So if you find one and you lock him up and you get him and you get him while he's young, you're able to train him and work through it with him, that's a great thing. So I'm glad you were able to point out Austin Cutting and the fact that he's from uh, the military schools uh, and – uh, is, is, is an added plus for us just uh, from the exposure aspect, just getting bringing those guys uh, into the mix. Uh, but one other one other guy I wanted to point out and to kind of echo some of the stuff that we've talked about involving receivers and not necessarily from big-name schools, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a guy that was taken by the Green Bay Packers a couple years ago, uh, a guy with 6'3", 6'4", frame at about 205. Uh, was able to go out and run a 4-3-7 at the combine or something around that. Uh, explosive speed. It may take a year or two for that explosive speed to consistently be seen in and out of breaks in routes absent of linear base routes, deep overs, posts, nine routes, corner routes. But he's a guy that's continued to develop. He's a guy that's continued to work on his craft, and you're seeing Aaron Rodgers targeting more and more as this season has come along. So, it, like you said, NFL rosters are littered with guys who are former NFL PA alums, and we'll continue to keep track of this as the season goes along uh, just so we can fill in everybody as far as how these guys are doing. No doubt about it. It's the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl Big Board Show with Rick Saratella, Von Hutchins. Going back to Cali edition, broadcasting here from Eugene, Oregon. We've got a doubleheader at Oregon, Oregon State. I'm going to make some campus visits. We'll keep you posted on the Twitterverse. Make sure you follow us at NFL PA Ball. And then the triple header starting uh, next Thursday or this upcoming Thursday where uh, I'll be at uh, UCLA Stanford, uh, UNLV Fresno State, and then Arizona USC. We're going to get about ten, uh, five, five games and maybe another five school visits here in, in about a 10-day span. Uh, attacking the West Coast, of course, the ninth annual NFL PA Collegiate Bowl in Pasadena, California at the historic Rose Bowl. Make sure you book your reservations, hotels, grab your tickets, scoop them up. It's going to be a great, great event. 
And uh, we are doing big, big things here under our new leadership of Dane Vandernap. So I'm excited to be a part of the process here. And, um, you know, I was out at Happy Valley for the 100th homecoming and the Penn State Nittany Lions, uh, you know, storied uh, history. And, you know, Vaughn, I, I got one guy here that really stood out to me, this Robert Windsor, uh, defensive lineman, redshirt senior, uh, just really not only uh, strong, and powerful, but deceptively uh, slippery. You know, he he's slipping through these double teams, getting in the backfield, making uh, TFLs against the run, applying pressure against the quarterback all game long. And, you know, he's a, a Green Bay, Wisconsin native that winded up in um, at Penn State. And T.J. Watt is a mentor. Uh, he was working out with T.J. Watt all summer long back home in Wisconsin. And you can see that. Yeah, he's got he's he talk about country strong. Uh he brings it and you know, the other thing, you know, talking to some of the people around the program was, you know, he came in this year eighteen percent body fat, which is down for him because he cut out alcohol entirely uh from his diet. And that's the one big change that Windsor has made uh coming into this season. He just eliminated drinking altogether and you're seeing him now be a more complete player because of that. And, you know, I'm curious to get your thought, you know, how much of an impact, uh, you know, wh- whether it's eliminating alcohol, on or just, you know, dieting and eating the right things. I think people kind of overlook or underestimate that aspect of, you know, being a professional and what it takes to succeed at the next level. Oh, absolutely. It's about the accountability aspect. We talked about, again, longevity and respect. Longevity. How are you going to take care of your investment? Uh, we go back to another uh, uh, NFL PA alumni, Shaquille Griffin. Shaquille Griffin has started the past three years uh, in Seattle, has been productive. But for him, it was a noticeable thing for him, like, okay, I'm getting exhausted. I'm getting fatigued late in games. How do I take my game to the next level? How do I earn that second contract in Seattle? What do I do to preserve my fortress, my investment, everything that that, uh, my business is based on? He loses 18 pounds during the offseason, 18 pounds for a defensive back. He was played at 212 last year. Uh, he's standing to play right around 194, between 194 and 196 this year. Uh, and this is a guy, again, from Central Florida who already had explosive speed at 4'3", 6'1", 32-inch arms. And now you got a guy who, as uh, a player himself, a guy that's evaluated himself, feels like he can move better at a smaller weight, still maintain speed or increase speed, still have all the type of effectiveness that he had as a press corner at a lighter weight, but he's just refined his craft. You know, that's what it's about. It's about continuing to improve things, understand what your body can and cannot do, understand who your comps are in the league, and then base your game off of those things in order for you to continue to grow and develop as a player. So uh, it's, it's a huge part of it. And shout-out to, to Windsor for understanding and seeing those things as a college senior to change that aspect of his game so it can take him to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, that Penn State defense, boy, I'll tell you, outside of the SEC, I think this is the most loaded defense uh, in college football. And, you know, 
I, I, I don't know if you can stack them up against Alabama and Georgia and LSU, but I got news for you. They might be one of the top five defenses in the nation. And you mentioned the weight. It, it brings me to another uh, Nittany line that Cam Brown, the linebacker who arrived to Penn State, I mean, uh, as a under 200 pounds as a linebacker. And here's a guy who struggled to keep weight on. In fact, in high school, he said he was having to eat 4,000 or 5,000 calories a day just to maintain his weight. And he struggled with that even at Penn State. This is the first year now where he's consistently been able to maintain a weight above 230. And you're seeing him carry that weight well. He still has room to grow into that frame. I think he's about 232 right now, 239, somewhere between that range. But he's really um, been able to maintain that weight. And you see his ability to cover a big backer. I mean, he has the makeup to be a starter at the next level, also a team captain. And then another senior, hey, uh, while we're on it at Penn State, just uh, John Reed, just a, a great cover corner, uh, ability to mirror, really loved his coverage skills. And <clears throat> he missed all of 2017 with an injury. He looks back healthy. And, again, the maturity – off the field. What are you doing when nobody's looking? You talk to the coaches on Penn State. They say John Reed is constantly in the film room, uh, dedicated to the film room. That's the differential points of professionals and and guys that don't make it. And, you know, Reed's a guy, played at uh, New Jersey High School Powerhouse St. Joseph, went over to Penn State, got off to a fast start, missed all of 2017. Now he's rebounded to really uh, make himself a very valuable uh, draft pick here in this upcoming 2020 NFL draft, of course, out in Las Vegas. Um, but before the draft, it's going to be the all-star process, and that's why we're counting you down to the 2020 NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. I believe we're just 99 days away, which is incredible when you think about it, Vaughn, and you know, we're going to be watching some key matchups again, of course, this upcoming week. Um, I'm going to get a chance to see arguably the best quarterback prospect in Justin Herbert this weekend. But another guy I'm going to be keeping tabs on is this Nate Stanley from Iowa. Um, I think he had three interceptions last week. So, you know, there was a lot of buzz around Stanley coming into the season that he could be potentially a top 100 quarterback, uh, viewed as a developmental guy, pocket passing, you know, prototypical size type of guy. But now he faces <laughs> this Penn State defense who I just talked about, and I want to see how he bounces back from adversity, how he handles this Nittany Lions defense. And I didn't even get into any of the underclassmen. Uh, we talked about that on the Infectious Scouting podcast with Russ Landy, so you can tune in if you want to get the skinny on some of the underclassmen on the come up for that Penn State defense, but I don't know if you had a chance to see Stanley at all this season, Vaughn, but um, how important of a matchup is this and how much of his draft stock depends on him being able to bounce back and play well against the top caliber defense? I've not seen Stanley play, uh, but uh, being able to bounce back and be resilient as a quarterback, uh, we talk, We always talk about that as DBs, uh, having a short memory. Uh, you're out on the Nile and everybody is talking about you. Everybody sees you. That's the first thing that people uh, notice if something breaks down in the secondary 
Well, obviously, it's the same at the quarterback position. We talk about what happens at the quarterback position. They win and lose games, per se, quicker than a lot of the other positions. So to have three INTs, uh, how do you bounce back? How do you respond? What was your week of practice like? Was it uh, an aspect of, okay, cool, I watched the tape on Sunday, watched it on Monday, uh, and then it's out of my it's out of my memory. It's done. I'm moving on to the next week. Uh, I'm looking forward to this next matchup, uh, and I'm I'm ready to produce on the field. So uh, it's a huge thing for him. Yeah, it's going to be a big-time matchup, Penn State-Iowa. Of course, we've got another, uh, it seems like a playoff elimination game in the SEC every week. Florida at LSU is going to be a big-time matchup. And then, uh, you know, one other quarterback that's going to have uh, a big-time test this week is Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma as he goes into Dallas to face the Longhorns there at Texas. Um, Before we get to the key matchups that you're looking ahead to, Vaughn, any thoughts on Jalen Hurts? Because you talk to evaluators around the league, and the opinions vary. I mean, some people think he could be a starting quarterback. Other guys don't even think he's a prospect. Any thoughts here on Jalen Hurts? I think Jalen has done about as good or better than anybody in the country as far as uh, changing and raising his stock. Uh, Obviously, he leaves Alabama uh, during that situation after winning the national championship and going through that whole process, goes out to Lincoln-Riley system out in Oklahoma and has performed. He's performed extremely well. Uh, He's always had the ability to run the ball. You look at him uh, from a size perspective. He is strong physically in his lower body. Uh, he's a thick quarterback. He's able to uh, – he has speed. He has quickness. Uh, as a runner, he's elusive in that way, uh, much like a Russell Wilson will be. Uh, but as a passer, as a guy that's uh, been able to throw the football, he has shown on a week-to-week basis consistently that he can throw from different platforms to all parts of the field. So I think he's a guy that's increased his stock as much as anybody in college football right now. I'm a fan. And, of course, he's running that uh, Lincoln-Riley offense there to a T. And Lincoln-Riley, a guy that we anticipate being a hot commodity, if you just kind of listen to the, some of the whispers uh, out there, you know, it, it could be a good possibility Lincoln-Riley jumps to the next level. And, hey, who knows, maybe he'll get an opportunity to draft Jalen Hurts because he's run his offense beautifully this season. Uh, You're listening to the NFLPA Bowl Big Board Show. Rick Saratella, Von Hutchins, breaking it all down, and we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here, Von. So uh, who else are you going to be keeping an eye on here in this college football week number seven? I mean, you touched on it. I mean, there's an elimination game down in Death Valley in LSU, uh, Florida, going into LSU, uh, nighttime game the students will be uh quite lubricated uh it will be loud it will be uh a hostile environment how do these guys from florida respond again another guy guys that we've touched on jonathan Gennard, jabar zuninga uh from the florida defensive line and that that talented secondary of underclasses they have how do they respond to Joe Burrow, who consistently puts up yards and 
points for this LSU offense. This LSU offense looks different from the past decade, decade and a half. It, it's different. Uh, and he's been the lead component to it, uh, running these RPOs. He has a talented crew of underclass receivers. Uh, and the guy is Stephen Sullivan that I, that I like. Uh, he's a guy who is a big receiver. He's kind of in that mode that we talked about earlier. He's a big slot. But the thing that LSU's done with him recently, he's about 6'5", teetering between 235 and 240. Uh, they've added weight to him, and they've moved him down to, to that H position or that F position tight end, and he's shown that versatility. He's a guy that I'm definitely keeping track on for this NFLPA game, guys that uh, are changing positions, uh, but still we've seen guys be productive in the league. Uh, former receivers, Darren Waller comes to mind out at out – at, uh, with the Raiders right now, guys that have changed positions and been able to excel at that tight end position. So he's a guy that I'll, I'll focus on. And that receiving core for Florida, Van Jefferson, uh, smooth route runner, former Ole Miss Rebel. Uh, his father's a receiver coach in the NFL. Uh, his second leading receiver for the University of Florida right now. Uh, Tyree Cleveland, prototypical uh, size, speed uh, guy, explosive guy for uh, the Gators, uh, he hasn't been as productive as you like, but a guy that's 6'3", 215, uh, they say he's going to jump 40 inches, 10'5", broad. Uh, he's a guy that I'm keeping track on. Uh, Frederick Swan, Frederick Swain, he's U.S. leading receiver right now, 301 yards, three touchdowns. He had a great game this past week. Uh, he, to me, was a guy, when I went down and I saw this receiving core, this is this is the core that a lot of scouts are going to get down there and they're going to be like, oh, I, I got my pick of, of guys to choose from. I, I have a smooth route runner. I have the prototypical guy. I got a speed guy. And then I got this naked guy in Fred Swan, Fred Swain. He's a guy that does the dirty work on teams. He's willing to block. And now for this season, he's actually showing that he's a legitimate receiving candidate. I thought he was going to be a sleeper for me. <laughs> he's not a sleeper anymore. Everybody knows about it. Uh, and Josh Hammond. His brother's Frankie Hammond plays in the league, so he has NFL bloodlines also. How do they respond and how will they play against Christian Fulton, a guy that's been talked about as a, as a first-round caliber, a top-50 draft pick uh, at corner for LSU? How does he respond against these guys? Obviously, we got Delpit, who's a talented free safety, uh, underclass free safety. How does he respond versus these guys? Uh, so I'll be anxious to get down there and, and, and talk to these guys and see these guys better yet. Uh, LSU, Florida. Uh, and I'll actually travel to South Carolina and Georgia and see my guy, Mr. Kinlaw, in person, see what he does against this talented def- offensive line from, from the Georgia Bulldogs, which after going in in August and seeing these guys in person, man, they're two and three deep on the offensive line is impressive. There can't be too many schools around the country that can boast uh, top-rated offensive linemen on their two deep, you know. Uh, these are guys that are all 6'4", 6'3", thick, uh, agile, strong physically. So how does Kenlaw respond? How does Kenlaw hold up? Uh, and then I really want to see the two running backs from South Carolina, Rico Dowdle and the Clemson transfer and Feaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to see how you know, these I guys run. These guys have been productive. <clears throat> Yeah, and I had a chance to see 
South Carolina week one, I think it was against North Carolina. And, you know, for those of you who did not tune in last week, Vaughn proclaimed Kinlaw pretty much the best defensive tackle when he, when he said he's a better prospect than Derek Brown. Now, listen, it's not the end all be all that can happen, but that's just the ascension that Kinlaw has made up draft boards. And I've moved him up to now my second uh, rated defensive tackle. I like Brown slightly a little bit more. You saw Derek Brown rumbling, bumbling, stumbling with that fumble recovery a week ago, but back to your point with the South Carolina uh, running back, I think it's actually a trio of runners that they were using when I, at least when I saw them in week one. And I I felt like I know Rico Dowdle is, is the higher rated uh, running back prospect, at least, you know, according to teams boards coming into the year, but I liked what I saw out of Feaster. You know, he comes in off the bench. Uh, he's like Vinnie Johnson, the microwave, instant offense, in, in, instant um, explosion, agility. Um, so, yeah, they, ha- they have a nice one-two punch there. Uh, South Carolina's got a lot of prospects. Now, Brian Edwards at, at wide receiver is another guy there on offense. Of course, Jake Bentley out for the season. But Edwards is a guy that, you know, I feel like, Maybe a top 100 guy, depending on how many underclassmen. I mean, the wide receiver underclassman class is going to be loaded, so we'll see. Um, and then on defense, of course, aside from Kinlaw, your guy over there, DJ Wanham, I mean, he's having a hell of a season. Uh, TJ Brunson is another guy to keep an eye on. So, yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of prospects in that South Carolina-Georgia matchup. There's going to be a lot of prospects in that LSU-Florida matchup you discussed. And one last note here before we wrap things up here on the NFLPA Big Board Show. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I saw, and I'm not a big believer in stats, and, and I hate to even throw it out there, but I thought it was interesting, to say the least, that somebody went back and took the stats of all the Heisman Trophy quarterbacks, all the quarterbacks that have won the Heisman Trophy since 2004, the past 15 years. Uh, there's about 12 guys or so. Joe Burrow has more passing yards, more touchdowns through the first five games than any quarterback that's won the Heisman Trophy in the last 15 years. So, hey, I don't know what it means. I don't mean I don't know if it means anything, but I think it's just a follow-up point to what you said, Vaughn, in terms of this LSU Tiger offense is unrecognizable. And, you know, that is my final thought for the show. I'll turn it over to you for a follow-up or parting shot, and uh, we'll get on out of here. Oh, man, Joe Burrow has done as much as anybody. I spoke about Jalen Hurst as far as what he's done to elevate his stock in the eyes of scouts and the eyes of NFL NFL executives. Uh, Joe Burrow has done a magnificent job of changing the narrative of what he was as a player. Comes into the season and it's, oh, it's a game manager. This is the guy that, you know, we got to keep our hands on. We we have to be able to run the football. No, he's shown that I can throw the football and we can throw first to win games with me at the helm. Uh, he's a guy that uh, completing a ridiculous 78% of his passes. That's not – that's unheard of. So – and he's not doing it with just check downs. He's not doing it with just crossing routes. He's not doing it with just, hey, let me go with this bubble screen. No, this is a guy that's averaging eight, 11 yards a throw. So he's pushing the ball down the field. And, again, the talented receiving core of underclassmen that he has outside, uh, uh, 
it, it, it's different. I mean, th- these guys are special. But at the same time, 22 touchdowns. He's, he's making these plays, and I think only six INTs. So he's making these plays in big moments versus big-time competition in big games. So, I mean, you go down to the school, you talk to the guys in, in the building. And the thing that stood out with me about Joe when I talked to the guys in the building was uh, he understood what was happening last year. He understood uh, that, okay, I may not have been the guy when I initially transferred over, but I'm going to work like I am the guy, and I'm going to earn the player's respect. So when you talk to the strength staff and pro liaison, uh, the coordinators, they're going to talk about a guy who's mentally tough, physically tough. He's a real dude. Uh, they speak about, you know, getting in defenders' face during practice because of situations that have happened with his own guys offensively, you know, just shutting that down. And you don't see quarterbacks step up in that type of way, you know, to just assertively put themselves in a, in a confrontational environment. But that's Joe Burrow. That's the type of guy that he is. He's a guy that, you know, showed up uh, during the summer and during the off season to consistently come in and work with the strength staff. You know, the uh, uh, strength staff guy told me that, you know, he would come in early, no one else is on campus, and he's, hey, I want to be able to go through the first week of off-season workouts prior to anybody showing up and put me through it, just bang me through it, put, beat me up. So when everybody else shows up, that I'm not winded, that I know what's going on, that way I can lead some of these groups. That's the type of guy. That's the type of mentality. That's, those are the notes that scouts are taking. That's what you want to hear when you go in and you talk about a guy that, you know, Burrow, you like his arm. It, it's good enough. It's not elite. Uh, but he's been able to, to work with timing and anticipation and put the ball where it needs to be. So he's a guy that's consistently, on a week-to-week basis, elevated his stock, man. Well, that's a great background story there, and I'm going to file that for the archives. So uh, with, with a mentality like that, he's going to endear himself to his teammates at the next level. And uh, I didn't even realize, you know, completing nearly 80% of his passes, that is unheard of at any level of football. So, um, you know, I'll be honest with you, coming into the season, uh, I, I, I was looking at Burrow, I was saying, hey, Danny Etling was a seventh-round pick. Uh, I don't know if Burrow's a better player than Etling. He might not get drafted. And all of a sudden, hey, uh, this first-round buzz could be legitimate. And if he's not a first-rounder, I think he's going on that day two. Uh, if the season ended today at this stage of the game, just, uh, again, we talked about Jalen Hurt and Joe Burrow. I think these are two guys uh, that have really, really climbed up the big board as that quarterback rankings uh, kind of are moving and shaking as the season progresses. Of course, we're moving and shaking, styling, profiling, going back to Cali here on the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl big board show. Rick Saratella, Von Hutchins, uh, our second week together, filling in for Joe Everett. So um, we're rocking and rolling, getting closer here to the 2020 NFL PA Collegiate Bowl, January 18th out in Pasadena, California. Of course, shout out to our executive uh, director, college recruiting, Dane Vandernat, joining on and giving Denzel Mims that Michael Crabtree comparison. That was interesting. And, of course, 
Um, we'll be back next week to break it all down. Of course, the West Coast trip out here, uh, Vaughn down in the Southeast, uh, Dane attacking Texas. I mean, we are literally on location across the nation here at the NFL PA Bowl, and uh, I, I think we're doing uh, a, as good of a job as we possibly can in terms of covering the nation, uh, combing it from coast to coast with the fine pick comb. And uh, we are loving it here. So uh, tune in, subscribe, tell your friends about it, share it. Uh, We're the most underrated podcast on the Twitterverse. Of course, follow us at NFL PA Bowl for all of our travels. And we've got a great blog on the Collegiate Bowl website, collegiate.nflpa.com. We've got all our campus confidential. So if you want to know where we're headed, where we've been, which players stood out to us, We've got it all on the NFL PA Bowl website. Of course, we've got it all covered. Next week, we'll break down some of the matchups we previewed today. We'll look ahead at college football week number eight next week. And, of course, we're here all season long. Counting you down to that 2020 NFL PA Bowl in Pasadena. Till the next time, everybody. The NFLPA Collegiate Bowl Watchlist Show is part of the All Access Football Network. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe.